Let me tell you about my sponsor, Gummy Cube. Now, Gummy Cube are supporting this show and they are absolutely awesome when it comes to helping you rank for the right keywords in the app stores for your apps. Pretty relevant, right? So Gummy Cube can help your users find your app through search on the app store and ranking for the right keywords can increase your reach by about five to 10 times what you're getting right now. So get found on the app stores. Go and check out www.gummycube.com. That's G-U-M-M-I-C-U-B-E, gummycube.com. Thanks Gummy Cube for being so awesome and continuing to support the show. Let me thank my awesome sponsor, Apptentive. Now, Apptentive have a number of different customers, and I'm going to read out a quote here. Apptentive have been vital in improving our mobile app ratings, growing our user base, and fielding support issues. That is from a company called StockTwits. Uh, a lot of people are falling in love with Apptentive for what they can do. They can do an amazing thing for you and getting better reviews. Uh, so to get a free consultation with them, go to www.apptentive.com dot com forward slash app guy that's apptentive.com forward slash app guy and thank you very much apptentive for being so awesome the app guy podcast straight from your host paul the app guy sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment and now paul the app guy Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I am your host, it's Paul Kemp. I'm fully uh, pumped up today because I've just got back from a nice extended trip into Bali. I hope you enjoyed some of the previous episodes I've just put out uh, where we were meeting some of the local people, some of the digital nomads. Uh, It just goes to show that this uh, podcast is truly global. We reach all parts of the world and it's just been nice to be able to travel to some of these beautiful locations and uh, meet some awesome uh, app entrepreneurs, digital nomads. And uh, it means life is good. If you are listening to this and wanting to become an app entrepreneur, uh, then just check out uh, theappguy.co, theappguy.co, where you'll get all the previous episodes. You'll be able to listen to them and get a good sense of what we're all about. So today, uh, uh, I've got a great uh, guest lined up for us. We are going to learn about his journey. Uh, His name is Matt Watson. And he is the founder of Stackify. And uh, if you are struggling with um, what to do as an app entrepreneur, then why not build some tools to help others? It seems to be like the most appropriate thing to do. So uh, we're going to talk about Stackify, and you'll find all the show notes in the AppGuy.co episode 343. So Matt, welcome to the AppGuy podcast. Hey, how are you doing? Glad to be here. Yeah, glad you came on. So uh, you're based in Kansas then, so we haven't had too many entrepreneurs from Kansas. Uh, Tell us what it's like to be an entrepreneur working out of Kansas. You know, it's a good place to be. Um, Cost of living is low. There's a lot of talented people here. Um, You know, compared to the Silicon Valley where, you know, if I'm trying to hire software developers and everybody wants to work for Facebook and Apple and all those places here in uh, Kansas City, I don't have that. So it's, it's easy to easy to find talented people and provide them a great place to work and they love working for us. So yeah. we see that a little bit as an advantage to us. Yeah, I can imagine, uh, you know, a lot of people in the previous episodes where we, we've talked about the cost of living in you know San Francisco, for example, is extortionate. So, uh, yeah. uh, you know, it's nice to know that you don't have to you know, make the commitment to work from there to uh, be successful. So, so Stackify, tell us about Stackify. Yeah, we, I started Stackify um, in 2012. 
um, based on some just previous experiences of my own of being a chief technology officer and a software developer for a long time. So really set out to create a, a suite of tools that would be easy for software developers to use to manage and monitor their their software applications. So you know a lot of developers will have you know five to ten different tools that they have to use to know if their applications are working and the performance of them and all those you know bits and pieces that go into that and we what we've done is built one one product suite that does all of those things and have designed it to be low cost that you know every developer can use um, so yeah, I was cool. going to say, Matt, that, so people listening to this show often get inspired by the journeys of founders. And uh, it's, it's interesting to know that perhaps you've had previous experiences led you to set up this company. Maybe we could explore that just for, for a bit. So you were a CTO of a prior company, and that is pretty much what set you up to take the risk and, and start your own company and become the founder of Stackify. Right, Stackify is actually my my second company. Um, before this, I was a uh, you know an entrepreneur before as well. Had a company called Vin Solutions that I uh, founded in 2003, and sold that in 2011. Before I started doing Stackify, and that company really grew, really took off. And um, from an IT perspective, we had every imaginable problem you could have, from performance and scalability to constant new features and bugs in our software, you know, all of those those problems that you face as a, a rapidly growing company. And, um, you know, that experience really kind of set me down the path of Stackify once I left. So, yeah. so here's the, the question then. Uh, what is it, do you think, that get, keeps you wanting to to start businesses, you know, you, you've just successfully sold, you know, an, uh, your previous business, and yet, one year later, here you are setting up another one. Well, what do you think is it, it encourages and compels compels you to actually do this? I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, at the heart of it, I'm I'm just a problem solver, and I and I like to solve problems and like to make my users happy and stuff, right? And to me, it was never about getting my name and lights, you know, and, you know, Times Square, New York or anything. Like, I don't want to, I don't really care about ringing the, uh, the bell at Wall Street. I mean, like, I don't really care about any of that. I just care about how do I solve problems for, you know, my friends and my customers, you know, our users. And um, how do I solve those IT problems for them? It's, it's, it's really what it's all about. I'm just a problem solver. I, so, yeah. so we never prepared it, Matt. I mean, it's, what is interesting is again you've hit on the big theme of my entire show. You know, three hundred and forty-three episodes, and it keeps coming back to solving problems, solving problems, and you know, it's one of the big lessons I've learned from all the guests we've had. Uh, and would you say that's one of the biggest things that entrepreneurs should be focused on? Absolutely, and I think the only way that you know most entrepreneurs, startups, young companies are ever successful is they have a founder that really has a vision and a passion to solve a particular problem and a lot of times they may look at things in a different way or be really persistent about solving a problem that other people just simply don't want to put the effort into or just don't have the same vision of you know and a lot of large companies don't have kind of the passion and 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 uh, the risk-taking ability that an entrepreneur does and a lot of times the entrepreneurs can be rewarded very well for that, um, but it, it takes a certain kind of person and a lot of effort, and it, it's not for everybody, but for but for those that 
you know, or a glutton for punishment like me, it, you know, can be a good thing. So what, what sort of person do you think it takes? Because I know that we do have people listening to this who uh, are in corporations or working for a boss they don't like and they're eager to, you know, we have had people leave to, to start their own thing. But what would you say it takes for someone to, to start on their own? It, I think it really takes that passion and that fire for, for whatever problem it is you're trying to solve. And, you know, I, I think, you know, people got to be smart about, you know, what problems they're going to solve. And it, it's got to be something that people want to buy and that can be a business and make bank money at, right? I mean, some people get really passionate about things that have no ability to ever make any money, but, you know, they can be fun hobbies or, or projects as well. But for it to really be a business, it's, it's got to be something that people are willing to pay for. Yeah, yeah. That again is you know we do have a lot of people who have been sort of slightly sidetracked by seeing what is successful and they try and clone it or copy it. And, you know, and we've had a lot of examples of that. But it, you, you never seem to. I mean, what I've learned is you never have the passion if you are just copying something else, uh, trying to make some money out of it. And uh, uh, yeah, well, let's talk about Stackify then. So you've um, you know, you've got a lot of uh, back-end tools for developers. Perhaps we can flesh out some of those tools and uh, how you are actually solving some problems and helping uh, your customers. Right. So we have we have four different products, and I'll, I'll I'll touch on those in a second. But the easiest way to describe what we do is, you know, if you're ever using a web application or I guess even a mobile application, and it's slow and it's getting errors and just not working the right way. You know, developers use tools like ours to know when that's happening and how to troubleshoot those problems. You know, why is a web application slow? Why is it getting errors? And you know, we're our software is kind of the black box that is that flight recorder that's always running and collecting data, so that when a developer, you know, needs to troubleshoot why was my customer you know getting errors and why was it slow, they can log into our software and we can we can help them figure out why. Um, and so we do that through four different products. We have a basic kind of server monitoring and metrics product. So, you know, we can tell you if a server goes down or what the CPU usage is, the memory usage, like basic kind of metrics around a server. Um, and then we have a product that collects all the errors, so all the errors that come from a, an application. And then we can collect all the logging statements that happen, and that's usually kind of the breadcrumbs trails that uh, you know developers will leave around, you know, what users logged in and what's going on, and kind of understanding the behavior that that data kind of gets logged behind the scenes, and we're able to collect that data so they can use it again, kind of like that flight recorder to kind of know what's going on and go back and look at the logs, right? Um, and then our fourth product, which is our, our newest product, is an APM product, and that stands for Application Performance Monitoring. And it, it kind of ties all those pieces together and really helps developers understand um, why how, exactly how their application performs and behaves. You know, if, if something takes five seconds to load, we can actually tell them exactly why it took five seconds, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, in today, you know, the attention span of users is uh, almost, in, you know, insignificantly small. And so uh, five seconds uh, for loading, it seems like a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's lots of studies that show, you know, every hundred milliseconds, you know, every tenth of a second that something takes longer to load that, you know, it reduces conversion and things like that because we are impatient because we're so used to sites like Google that just load instantly, right? And we, 
you know, a lot of times we're, you know, we're shopping online. We're like, oh, this is loading scripts, you know, really slow. Forget it. I'll just go find another site. And it happens all the time, right? And people lose business because of it. So, yeah. And um, so like, I love that analogy you've been using, a, you know, black box uh, flight recorder for uh, software and for developers. Um, this is a show about apps. And um, am I right in saying that, you know, you can actually use this on the back end for uh, native apps as, as well as web apps? Right. So our our software runs on servers. It doesn't run on you know mobile phones, but uh, smartphones that talk to a you know a backend server somewhere, which most all of them do. Um, developers can use use our software on their backend servers to uh, you know make sure that they're performing well and, and serving up the requests that you know travel back down to those smartphones. Yeah, fantastic and. Um uh, do, do you uh, are you in contact with a lot of these developers? What do you think are some of the common problems that they're they're seeing with uh, using and collecting data uh, to and from? Because you mentioned the big one for websites, which is you know time to load. Uh, but what right. are some of the big issues you see as you know, developers of, of uh, mobile apps that are facing, and what they're using your tools for? I mean, a lot of them use our our tool, um, frankly, because they don't know what they don't know. Um, a lot of them have never had to deal with uh, performance tuning and scalability and things like that, right? So they, they come to us all the time. They say, hey, I've got an application and I don't know what to do, but you know, how can you help us understand the performance and improve the performance of it? Um, you know, a lot of people, they just they don't know what they don't know unless they've, they've had to do that before, right? And uh, we're really focused on making a tool that they can install and, and we can give them a lot of actionable data and insight uh, right from the very beginning without a lot of training or, you know, spending a lot of time, you know, because they don't, they don't have time. They're, they're always busy. Um, so we, we work really hard to make an intuitive tool that when they install, immediately we can say, hey, these are the things you need to work on. Yeah, and how important is it, Matt, to get these things right in the early stages of, you know, perhaps an app or a web app? Because I can imagine, you know, you make some fundamental mistakes at the start, that when you do start to scale and you do see that kind of growth, that if you have made early mistakes or you've made decisions, poor decisions, then it can really impact the, um, uh, you know, the challenge of this, the software later on. Is that is that kind of fair? You know, I... I would say the performance of an application can always be fixed. It can always be improved, right? But I think the most important thing, if you're uh, any kind of developer that has a brand new application and you're trying to get people to use it, is as the entrepreneur, the thing that you need more than anything is word of mouth from those first users, right? I mean, you spend so much energy trying to get those first 10, 100, 1,000 customers and if and if they don't have a great experience, they're not going to you know provide that word of mouth advertising that you need. And so a lot of times you have that that first impression at an early, on an early stage kind of makes or breaks makes or breaks it. I think wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of uh, I, I guess uh, you know there's a lot of talk about MVPs and just trying to get something out as quickly as possible, right. testing it. And seeing what the feedback is, and I'm sure that there's a lot of developers listening to this right now who are taking shortcuts. You know, they perhaps don't care about the speed of the the, the, the data being collected, or you know, they just want to get an MVP out there. But do you think that's a little bit risky uh, in terms of um, you know that ultimate user experience? 
Well, I think it always depends on the type of app and depends on who your users are. You know, how captive an audience are they, or are they just random, you know, consumers that you you don't know, you'll never talk to. Um, you know, I think that user experience can be very important. You know, the the little polish and details of your app and the and the speed of it. You know, regardless if that has to do with the the server connection part of the speed or you know just the you know tapping around in the app and and the responsiveness of that I think is really important uh, uh, you know a good example of that is um, here in the United in the United States and then at least in the Midwest is there's a, a great restaurant chain here called Panera and I, I love them and they have a mobile app for online ordering but it's downright painful to use like it takes like 15 seconds every time you click something and so I don't use it I wind up eating somewhere else right I mean the it's the the little things in the performance a lot of times make a big difference I know, and it's starting to come our way. You know, I have had a lot of conversations over the years about um, potential, you know, small businesses saying, "Hey, you need to get an app." And hey, we don't need that. We don't need an app. We've got websites. That's fine. But the whole world right. is becoming mobile, and uh, I think a lot of these businesses, like the one you mentioned, are just starting to realize they need to catch up. Yeah, well, and they're do they're doing a good job at it, but you know, their app just isn't quite fast enough, and, and, and it makes for a frustrating experience for users. And you know, it's it's funny you mention that. I'm you know, I'm obviously a really high tech guy, and but my wife, on the other hand, uh, she's very smart, very high tech, but she is definitely a mobile first person. She hates to use her laptop. She she spends hours, you know, a week on Amazon and you know all those kinds of sites on her phone, and absolutely kind of refuses to use her her you know traditional laptop unless she absolutely has to and it's definitely a mobile first world out there it, it is well certainly from my perspective being the app guy podcast you know <laughs> so um well yeah. you know matt this is a show to help out entrepreneurs you're an entrepreneur yourself and i think that we can learn a lot from you know your journey and uh, you know you have run a previous company and you've set up stackify i wondered if you've got any guidance you could help other entrepreneurs setting up in terms of um, that that first uh, initial stage of setting up did you raise money to, to um, start stackify did you do it on your own perhaps some kind of guidance on just getting started yeah so you know my last company that I had was bootstrapped the entire way so me and another gentleman started it we never raised any outside capital at all uh, we were trying to raise capital in 2008 and 2009 when the economy uh, kind of went in the crapper, uh, and so that didn't that didn't help. And, and eventually, we we were doing really well. Um, when we sold the company, we were doing uh, I think over 30 million a year in revenue, and we were looking to raise like growth capital, but we ended up just getting some good offers to sell the company, so we just sold it instead. Um, but you know, we were really fortunate to be able to bootstrap it the entire way through, even through the uh, you know bad economy. Um, and then when I started Stackify, I was able, you know, luckily to use some of the proceeds I had from my my first adventure to uh, fund this one. So so far, I've I've funded it, and we we haven't haven't had to deal with outside investors. Well, and and well, I guess that's like really um, interesting because a lot of the uh, app entrepreneurs I've spoken to say that one of the biggest uh, challenges they face is just the fundraising. It's a continuous cycle. Uh, they spend twenty five percent of their time fundraising, which is kind of it must get boring, and uh, and constantly being told by you know angel investors or VC funds that you know your idea is rubbish. <laughs> and, and, yeah. Uh, well. And yeah. You know, I, I also do some angel investing, and you know, I don't do a whole lot of it, but I do a little bit, and, and you know, I definitely see both sides of the table, right? And 
Um, the, the biggest thing I see is we'll find really smart people that have a great idea, um, but they don't, they don't have the software development background to make it happen. And that is just so difficult because, I mean, you can raise hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars to spend on development or consulting companies to, to write software. Um, but, you know, frankly, I always tell them, look, don't do that. Go find a co-founder who can write the app. You know, find a, a smart developer that, that's, that's passionate about the same problem that's willing to put the time and effort into it. And, I, you know, I think that's really critical. And Matt, you should have mentioned it. You're an angel because that's going to sidetrack us now. I mean, I would, uh, I, I've had lots and lots of interviews with, um, you know, a love angel list, and I've found loads of uh, amazing entrepreneurs uh, on angel list, and we've had um, investors as well on this show. Uh, but what what are the biggest things that you tend to look for then when uh, because I'm guessing that as an angel investor, you must have come across a few apps that maybe you thought about investing in. Have you got uh, any guidance for? You know, from your side, uh, what you look for when potentially investing in a an app um, business. You know, you hear it a lot, and and I and I definitely have to agree that investing in who the team is is important. The their background, yeah, just kind of the first reaction of, of meeting with them and talking to them, and, and whether or not I think they're you know the right individuals that can pull this off, right? And I, I think that's definitely important. Uh, having the right team and, the, and um, you know talented individuals have the right you know like I said earlier you, you know you got a smart person with a vision but you also have got the another you know co-founder that that can write the app and having that that part of the team I think is really important doesn't mean you can't succeed without it but I think your chances of success are definitely better. Well, um, well you'll have some episodes we've got some episodes uh, one that we've had already and one we've got coming up that you might like because um, we had uh, these great guys from founder Fox um, uh, come on and they they're actually creating this video service where you can pitch to angel investors and so you it's a bit like YouTube but pitching for angel investors and it is it looked really good so it gives you that kind of that that art of pitching and right. uh, we've also got someone um, the founder of uh, Gift Pitch coming up as well and uh, turning your pitches into gifts and just all this clever stuff around because I think that's a, don't you think that the uh, the way you gather information on a potential investment is changing is ripe for disruption because it seems that you know like the VCs are uh, still in the old school way of doing things yeah it's definitely going online with you know the, the crowdfunding kind of stuff and angel list and um, you know all those those types of sites um, but I the problem is, as an investor, is there's kind of a never-ending flow of things you could invest in, and it, and it can be a huge time suck to talk to different people and all those different things. And most the the problem is most angel investors that are investing, let's say fifty thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, in you know, doing an angel investment, and and that you know, for a lot of people, that's a pretty big angel investment. Um, there's definitely people that invest a lot less, but whatever the number, you have to remember, whoever is investing $50,000, $100,000, they wouldn't be investing it if they couldn't afford to lose it, uh, I would hope. And, you know, even if I invest $100,000 into something, if they turn that into $200,000 or, or $300,000, you know, five years from now, you know, that's not enough money, right? Or I wouldn't have give, given the 100000 to begin with. Like, you know, I, when I gave the hundred thousand, I knew there was a ninety percent chance it was going to fail because that's like whatever the failure rate is, it's huge, right? Um, 
But for most of the, the investors that, you know, even if it's successful, it's not necessarily probably enough to worth perspective or they wouldn't have done the investment to begin with. And so my point of that is the, the investor that is the, or the, uh, the entrepreneur that's receiving has to kind of keep that in mind. I mean, to them, that 100000 is a huge amount of money, but to, the, to, to whoever wrote the check, it's not necessarily to them. And they're also probably not going to want to spend a whole lot of time helping you with the business because they just, they don't have the time to do that. And they don't own enough of the company to really get that big of a return. And, you know, frankly, if you turn that hundred into two or 300 later, it's, it's not probably enough to get them that excited. Does that all make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. And actually, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, you know, as an angel investor, you are secretly, you know, hoping that you might stumble across an Uber or a, a Twitter or, you know, the, one of the yeah. big ones. So, and, uh, yeah, having a three times return doesn't seem to um, make, make it worth it. You know, you might as well just invest in uh, the stock exchange, I guess. So. Well, and I think, you know, most of the VC companies you talk to will say, you know, five of ten, five of the ten will fail miserably. You know, four will be okay. You know, they might get that two to three times return, right? And then you get that one in ten that really makes the big return. And and it's probably not Facebook or anything either. But it, you know, maybe it's a ten to one return or twenty to one return, whatever it is, right? It's still a pretty good return. Um, but those are few and far between. And and I think most on you know most angel investors make the mistake of putting all their you know doing one or two investments and they both fail where really they should do a lot of smaller investments to really spread their their risk around um, I think a lot of angel investors make that mistake and if you've got um, would you recommend an entrepreneur who's listening to this uh, would you recommend that they try it a little bit because I can imagine it uh, being a, an angel investor helps you as an entrepreneur in a way the way, the way you think uh, the way you think about risk it must, because um, you're putting the shoe on the other foot in a way. Yeah, I mean, it. you know, I've been able to, been on both sides of it, um, you know, have a little better understanding of it. Um, I've never actually raised capital myself, so, um, but as an entrepreneur, I, you know, I understand that side of it. So I'm fortunate enough to have an absolutely amazing app store optimization company called GummyCube who sponsor this show. And they collect uh, data from the mobile app stores, Google Play and the Apple App Store. And that data then allows you to be more effective when optimizing your apps for those app stores. Now, GummyCube deal with brands and indie developers and product managers. And what GummyCube are able to do is find those long-tailed keywords that rank. You see. App Store optimization, it used to be, and I'm, I'm sure you're probably still doing this right now, where you go uh, back and forth and check things like Google search, and, and then you get the long tail keywords uh, from web search, and that is the wrong thing to do. Uh, you don't really want any data that's being scraped from the web. What you want is data that is actually from the app stores, because we know that the way you behave in app stores is different to on the web and searching on the web. And so this is why you need GummyCube to get access to their algorithms and their data cube and to really be efficient with app store optimization. So I highly recommend going and checking them out. It's www.gummycube.com. That's G-U-M-M-I-C-U-B-E.com. And thank you very much to GummyCube for being such a great company and supporting this show. It's time to thank my wonderful sponsor called Apptentive. Now they are the experts when it comes to 
in-app communication and customer experience. So to give you an idea of just how great they are, here's a couple of quotes from some big names that you may have heard of who are actually using Apptentive. So Big Fish Games say Apptentive's SDK is the easiest integration I've done. It just works. It's dead simple. And all recipes say Apptentive helped us improve the quality of our product by looking through trending reactions in our community, uh, which helped us make decisions about our product and business based upon the data we pull from the tool. So they're loving Apptentive. Uh, why don't you go and show some Apptentive love by going to www.apptentive.com forward slash app guy. It's important to do the forward slash app guy all lowercase because you'll get a free consultation about what they can do for you. Go and check them out and thank you very much to Apptentive for supporting this show. You have uh, must have a smartphone. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Do you have an iPhone or an Android? I have an Android phone. I have actually yeah. one of the new OnePlus 2s. Oh, right. Well, well, let's do a review on that. Well, how are you finding it? I just got the OnePlus 2 about a week ago, and uh, it's it's been great. I mean, you know, for the most part, all of these phones are the same anymore. They're all really fast, and they all have really awesome screens. And but uh, it's been a great phone. Yeah, and it's a pure Google experience. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so, would you be able to? This is the final thing. Then, would you be able to recommend an app that you tend to use on your OnePlus 2 or you know an Android app? that you uh, are a big fan of that you could recommend that you feel like maybe we haven't come across before? Um, it's a good question. So, you know, I guess maybe I'll go out there and say I'm a big fan of the Google Wallet app. I don't know if that's really a fair answer, but, you know, Apple Pay gets all the, uh, the talk these days, but Google Wallet does the same thing, and um, I enjoy using it when I can. So yeah, the, the, you are the first person to mention Google Wallet, and um, what, what does it do then? Can you actually pay for goods um, w with it? But I'm, I'm guessing it's not that widespread at this stage. Well, um, you know, a lot of the the little terminals that you used to pay support wireless payment. They do. Then any phone that has a NFC, you know, support or whatever it's called. For so I think most recent phones, most recent Android phones support uh, Google Wallet. But um, I think it's more wide, widely spread than people realize. That but Apple Pay is what everybody talks about. But <laughs> yeah. and Apple Pay has just come over to the UK. But I'm still yet to see uh, anywhere that takes Apple Pay. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've actually just come back from uh, Bali and I've been using Bitcoin uh, to pay. And that is uh, honestly the most, I'm sure Google Wallet is just the same. But when you first use it, you realize that this is the future of money, electronic money. It is so easy to use. And right. Not having to mess about trying to get change uh, or and no one's got the right change. And, you know, it's just, it's a wonderful experience. And uh, Well, especially if you're worrying about multiple currencies, right? I mean, as a, as a person coming from the UK, you're about currency exchange and all that stuff, I think it's even more useful. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you then suddenly realize there could be a whole industry that's wiped out because uh, we suddenly start to get global currencies and, uh, you know, all these uh, small um, banks and, and currency exchange places that, you know, make money on it. The, 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 it seems um, 
stupid when you have a global currency. So yeah, hopefully that will start to become more widespread. Google Wallet, Apple Pay, um, Bitcoin, and um, electronic money in general uh, becomes absolutely. Uh, yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> Matt, this has been a wonderful chat. We've really gone through your journey. We've gone through Stackify. Uh, I wondered if um, you could point the listeners to, um, to how they can get hold of you or how they can find out more about your company. Absolutely. Um, you know, anybody who's interested, you can go to, it's just stackify.com, S-T-A-C-K-I-F-Y.com. And uh, we offer free trials and um, love to get anybody's feedback and, and help out this entrepreneur and, and my new journey. So, Great. Okay, Matt, well, I'll make sure that we put all the links to uh, you and uh, Stackify on the show notes. That's episode 343 of The App Guy. Just go to theappguy.co and search for Matt Watson. Matt, this has been really enjoyable. All the best with um, uh, Stackify and um, those investments you're making. And uh, we'd love to get you back on if you do end up getting the, the next Twitter or Uber in your uh, portfolio. Absolutely, will do. Just to remind you that this show is sponsored by GummyCube. GummyCube are a big data company that are collecting data into DataCube which is pulling data from the app stores, Google Play and the Apple App Store. So go and use an app store optimization company that is getting its data from the app stores and not from web searches, which do not relate really to what's going on in the app store. Go and check them out. It's www.gummycube.com. Thank you very much to GummyCube. They're just such a great supporter of this show. So let me remind you that this episode has been sponsored by Apptentive. Now you can go and sign up for a free mobile app consultation by going to apptentive.com forward slash app guy. That's all lowercase, apptentive.com forward slash app guy. All you need to do is complete a form and what they'll do is they will evaluate uh, an overall app experience and information about how Apptentive can increase your app's ratings and reviews. So go to www.apptentive.com forward slash app guy, get that free consultation and thank you Apptentive for supporting the show. So I have had a five-star review come in. I want to thank Arun One, uh, who writes Insider Information. Uh, these podcasts are full of insider information. Thanks so much for making my life easier as a beginning app developer. And uh, I just want to remind you that I do uh, really appreciate uh, all uh, five-star reviews that you can give me. It makes a massive difference to the uh, chart position of the App Guy podcast. So uh, just go and leave a five-star review, per preferably in uh, iTunes if you can. Uh, what you need to do is just uh, go onto my website, theappguy.co. You'll see a subscribe button. And uh, you can also follow that to leave a review. Really easy really makes a difference. Thanks very much to Arun for making my day. Bye for now.